1: That's what you'll feel with Bolin & Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bull & Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bullandbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Katie Neal. Welcome back to the final Katie and Company podcast of 2023. To end of the year, I got to sit down with an absolutely iconic legend. And I say that after having, you know, had Garth Brooks, Dolly Parton on towards the end of this year. It's just been wild. But wrapping up this year, I got to sit down with Toby Keith, who has been on the mend and recovering from stomach cancer. And I have to tell you, it was just really good to see him happy and healthy and excited to be doing an interview to be back on country radio. If you don't know this, he recently re-released an older song called Don't Let the Old Man In. He did this amazing emotional performance of it at the People's Choice Country Music Awards. And I'm so excited to see him, like I said, back in country radio, back to work. He's going to be playing some shows in Las Vegas, which we talked all about in 2024. We also talked about, you know, stories behind a lot of his biggest hits and what him and his family are up to this holiday season. I truly enjoyed talking to Toby Keith, and I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing well. It's so nice to see you. Thanks so much for taking the time today. I appreciate Thank it. You. How you been feeling? How you doing?
2: Doing really good. I'm uh it's been a tough two years, but I'm I think I'm turning a corner.
1: Yeah. I'm sure you gotta be excited to, you know, get on the other side of this right now and be done with all the stuff because I can't well, imagine I don't, it's I don't know
2: if you're I don't know if you're ever done with it, but I'm trying to be.
1: Oh, I'm sure you are. Well it's good to hear that, you know, turning a corner, hopefully feeling a little bit better, able to get out and do some stuff again.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, oh. I feel that good.
1: <laughs> That's good. That's great. I know you're gonna be making your way to Vegas here in a few weeks. How are you feeling about that? Three sold out nights?
2: We're excited. You know, it's been a couple of years and I've never had a year off in my life. And this is my 30th year in the business. So it was really weird just sitting here with your handcuffs on. But uh it's exciting. It's won't gonna be one of the first times I've ever had to rehearse.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, are you feeling nervous at all after having
2: a no, year off? I'm not I don't ever get nervous, but I learned a long time ago that you can make a mistake. That's where people get nervous. They're afraid they're going to screw up, but uh, I, I'm not nervous.
1: <laughs> well, that's great. I know that the fans are all super excited for this. You also just had an absolutely like amazing performance on the People's Choice Awards with Don't Let the Old Man In, which you've now re-released as a single. I would just love if you could share the story and the inspiration behind this song.
2: So I'm Clint Eastwood's partner at his golf term. He's 93 this year, by the way. Crazy. and every year it's crazy i was at his event about three or four months ago and, and i didn't know if i was up to it then i wasn't feeling great then and uh it's three days 18 holes a day and uh, some kind of a festive event at night and they said you know if clint don't show up one of these days the pro will play with you guys and it was me and clint bill murray and uh gary mule deer and clint showed up every day and went to every event it's amazing i hope hope i'm that good at 63 <laughs> But several years ago, uh, the first event I played with him, I'm his partner every year in that event. And uh, his birthday was Monday. It was like a Saturday. He said, I turned 88 Monday. And I said, what are you going to do to celebrate? He said, well, I've got to go to Georgia and shoot a movie called The Mule. And I said, well, what keeps you going at your age? And he said, I try to get up every day and be productive, not let that old man in. So I came home, thought I'm going to write him a song. So I wrote it, fell in love with the song, and uh, became very powerful. I didn't know I was gonna have to live those words in a few years, but I sent it to him and I said, you inspired me to write this. And he said, hey, they call me the old man all the way through the movie. I'm putting it in the movie. And it it did okay. Willie cut it also and Engelbert Humperdinck and several foreign superstars cut it. But it never really got traction until I found its spot when we did The uh, People's Choice.
1: And it's like you said, and you know, you never thought you'd have to live those words. I'm sure that was kind of like an emotional thing to revisit that song.
2: Yeah, well, I got there, and they said, uh, Blake's going to do Who's Your Daddy? And so I didn't want to follow that with a real downer. So I was like, I'm going to do something off, you know. And Rat Clark, said, uh, who produces the show, Dick's son, said, uh, we really want you to do The Old Man. And I said, okay. Usually they don't want you to play something that's not a big hit. But he said, it is. So in rehearsal, I just went out and sang it, wasn't thinking much about it. And Rat comes up wiping his eyes. He goes, "You got me, you got me." Oh. Call me. He said, "You sob, you got me." So he goes, "This is going to be a big moment." The show. I was like, "You're the producer. You know more about it than I do."
1: That's amazing. And it was it was such a beautiful performance. And then earlier this month, you released a collection of songs, 100% songwriter, mm-hmm. featuring all 13 tracks of like the biggest songs that you've written. And I know how important songwriting is to you, and how big of an element of the job that is for you. Have you found some time to do that lately?
2: I do, but after all these years, you get a little complacent. You're not as hungry, and it's like I compare it to like uh, hunting deer. Once you shoot, <laughs> once you shoot the one that goes on the wall, you let the ones walk by that you were looking for. You know what I mean? So it's like till I get a great idea, I don't want to toil away. I'm not as hungry. You know, when I was trying to feed a family and get a record deal and and have hits and fill albums and hit bottom lines for labels, it was like a challenge. And so I was writing all the time. Now it's like I'm on cruise control. So I'm only a great idea away from doing one, but it really takes a special idea to get me to dive in. But I write quite a bit.
1: Well, I hope you do find that great idea. But I, I know what you mean. Sometimes when the inspiration is not there, it's hard to force it and you don't want to ever do that.
2: And there's so much more going on in your life. You know, you start to get kids and then you get grandkids and then stuff that you didn't have when you were 25, you know?
1: Exactly. You got a lot more life going on. Yeah. Yeah. Who is, I'm just curious, like caught your eye recently as a really like great rising songwriter and performing artist entertainer?
2: Well, be, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't really followed it that close.
1: Don't be embarrassed, so, but you had a lot going on. Nobody <laughs> is going to well, that when against house,
2: When I'm around the house or at the lake or in Colorado or Cabo, wherever we are, the house music is always like yacht rock or classic country. And if they knew how little i drive around, I don't ever drive but to the racetrack and back or to the golf course and back. And I've usually got it on sports radio. So I'm really out of touch. A lot of these kids sing my songs. A lot of these kids reference me in interviews. A lot of these kids reach out. I just don't know a lot of these kids.
1: And that's totally fine. That's a very honest answer. And that's totally fine. Like I said, you got a lot going on. So yeah. <laughs> I just figured I would I I would ask. You know, you got some big milestones this year with the 30th anniversary of uh mm-hmm. Should've Been a Cowboy. What do you remember about the day that you wrote that song and then the day they decided it should be the single?
2: So I was working on my first album. I had a year and a half before they were gonna put it out. I got signed in June of ninety one and they were gonna put me out in January of ninety three. So somewhere in the fall before 93, I had a whole bunch of songs I'd written. I'd had my whole life to write the first album. So we'd narrowed it down, but I was still trying to make, you know, take this one out, plug that one in, edge it up just a little. And I was actually in Dodge City, Kansas, where Gunsmoke and Marshall Dillon all that happened on uh, the setting. And um, we were pheasant hunting, and I was with about 20 guys. They were all older than me. And uh, we went in a steakhouse saloon and we're in hunting clothes. And my manager was with me and he had made me bring a guitar in case there was an opportunity, which never did happen for us to just sit around. I could play these guys, these songs, big promoter guy, you know. So we were in the bar and this highway patrolman was named John. And he was probably 55, maybe 60. And this young cowgirl came up to the bar and got a beer or something. And he goes, I'm going to go dance with her. He runs over to her. She shoots him down. Everybody laughs at him. He goes, hey, can't blame a guy for trying. I never quit trying. And then about five minutes later, this young cowboy walks up. She starts dancing right there with him. Oh, no. (laughs) And somebody said, hey, John, you should have been a cowboy. So I went, wow, that's an intriguing idea. I might write that. So I got back. I had it on my mind. I had the Dodge City setting. And I was like, you know, I bet Marshall Dillon, every one of those episodes, you keep waiting for Marshall Dillon and Kitty to hook up. And they never did, but you could tell that he was her guy, you know? And so I couldn't go to sleep. I knew I had to get up at five to hit breakfast and hit the fields, but it was late and everybody was asleep and we were sharing rooms, two to a room. And and so I just took my guitar in the bathroom, sat down on the side of the tub. And in about 20 minutes, I spit it out. We recorded it and everything else. And uh, Harold Shedd, who was my producer and vice president at Mercury Nashville, and he said, this is a hit. And so they put me and Shania John Brannon on the road together and called it the triple play. And we did about six weeks of touring and each of us got 30 minutes. And by the time we were in the second weekend, I was in the top 20, the top 30. And so I had a hit and then it went to number one. That is so
1: just the vision of you like at that age, like sitting on the side of a tub, writing that song in 20 minutes is such a wild thing to think about, like what that song has become. Like, I mean, it's truly iconic and just such a cool moment.
2: Well, you know, I was just hungry and trying and you don't, people don't understand sometimes. They go, what does it take to get, to have a career like yours? And I was like, it's not up to us. It's really not. There's a lot of people really talented, a lot of great writers, a lot of great singers, performers, musicians, and I've seen them. They're everywhere, especially mm-hmm. if you go to like National New York, or LA, London. But the reason some of them don't make it is, I don't know. The reason they do make it is because the people hear your music and they go, they go buy it and they play it. And they circulate it, and they request it, and it's really not up to us. So once you figure out your spot, you stay in your spot. And, <laughs> and that's what I did, especially from about 99 to 2010. I think there was a four-year period there where we were a quarter of the time at number one on Billboard. It was stupid.
1: It's incredible though it's so interesting to hear you say that because I feel like I have so many songs who are like or so many friends who are aspiring musicians and you know same thing like so wild and talented and you're like why hasn't it happened but you like know, like you said it's it's not up to you guys
2: it isn't so, yeah. you can do all you can do and sometimes it's still don't work but mm-hmm. and then there's people who do very little that just <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna mention any names but there's people no. who do very little that are
1: it's very infuriating <laughs> for the rest of them. <laughs>
2: that get everything give to them. But mine was a grind. And uh, I was really willing to put in the elbow grease to uh, give it a shot.
1: No, for sure. There's another big milestone that you're celebrating this year. 2020 or 2003 was a big year for you. And I know American Soldier came out that year and you've always been such a huge supporter of our armed forces. Was there a particular moment or a particular USO tour that inspired that song or just something you had been feeling that day?
2: It actually started out in 11 years, I did 240 USO shows in Afghanistan and Iraq. So I, I had all of that subconsciously absorbed mm-hmm. and consciously absorbed. But it started out as a working man song. I'm just trying to be a father, raise a daughter and a son, be a lover to their mother, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And when we got to the Brit, to the chorus, it was like, that's exactly what those soldiers were doing over there. Because I would eat with them and they would be like in street clothes. They'd be like in maybe PT shorts or... The army, they'd have them on a gray army shirt with black letters. and They'd been out jogging and they just looked like they were getting ready, to, you know, like much frat guys and old gruffs. And you'd eat with them and then you'd go out on a chopper and do a fire base. You'd fly back in and you'd hear them honking and they'd be going out on patrol and they'd all be all battle rattled up and, you know, chin strapped tight. And you wouldn't recognize them because they all look just like they'd be like Toby. And you'd look and be the same guys you eat with. So it's like, that's what they are. When they're not on patrol, they're just working people that are fathers and mothers. Yeah. So that's where that song came to be.
1: And it's such, it's such a beautiful song. Another one I want to ask about that we're going to play this week sat on the top of the charts for six weeks beer for my horses. <laughs> yeah. How was it? Like, What do you remember about getting to work with Willie on that song?
2: Oh, I remember when we wrote it, me and Scott Emmerich wrote it. There was an old man. I rodeoed in high school and worked for a rodeo company. And um, there was an old man that work the stock out of the pens like on the bull riding he would you know the bull riders would draw for their bulls and he was he would single those certain bulls out with a stick and he had a pint of old crow in his back pocket and at the end of the night when we'd bet all the stock down he would say whiskey for my man beer for my horses not I'd always had that idea but we were stuck one night didn't have a good idea I said let's write an old western song and so we took off and wrote the song and when we're done I said this sounds like a willie nelson this sounds like redheaded stranger type stuff you know and i said and my guitar player at the time was the little boy that played in honeysuckle roses willie and joey floyd he's passed away but joey was played rhythm and sang background played the fiddle mandolin and i told joey joey said i'll call will and he never did and i was at a cma awards and after awards were over went across the street to the palm there's a little line at the door and we were standing inside the building, but they were trying to seat everybody. And Joey was with me and he goes, There's Will. Hey, Willie. He goes, This is my boss, Toby. He called me boss. And I said, Hey. And we talked for a few minutes and he turned around and he goes, Ask him about that song. I said, I got a song that I'd like for you to sing on if you'd be willing. He goes, Ascend it to the office. And he went to his table and got halfway there and he turned, and he came back. He goes, What's the name of it? So I'll know when it comes in. And I said, Whiskey for my men and beer for my horses. He goes, Oh, hell, I don't need to hear that. I'm in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the best kind of song pitch right there. Exactly. <laughs>
2: and then I saw him, you know, it took about a year. We recorded it and then it came out and it had been five weeks, number one. And they called me. They said, if we go number one again, it'll be six weeks. And I'd had five week number ones and Willie had had five week number ones, but neither of us had had a six. They go, if it's number one next week, well, I have to be in New York and I was checking in the Waldorf. I walked in and he was in there. He goes, how's Song doing? I said, if we go number one this week, it'll be six weeks in a row. And he goes, well, I guess I better go learn it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Thank you for sharing that story. That's amazing. We're going to be airing this the week um, going into Christmas. So what are you looking forward to about the holidays this year?
2: Well, it's special to me because two years ago when I was diagnosed, we just lost a, a guy. There was a guy that was, said he'd been feeling weird and and we're playing golf with him. And he went in and they said, you got two weeks to live. And he went away. The next mm-hmm. month I get diagnosed and I'm just thinking about what just happened to that guy. It's also on my mind. And my son was getting married and his wife didn't have a father. And she had asked my son, Stephen, if I'd walk her down the aisle. And I said, sure. And now I'm a month away from that. And I'm thinking I might not even make it that far. I didn't mm-hmm. know. You know, when you get diagnosed, you just freak. Yeah. And uh, here it is two years later. We're headed for Thanksgiving and Christmas. So those things are more important than anything. I'm so blessed.
1: You are. And I'm so happy that you're getting to do all those things. And I hope that you guys have just a wonderful holiday season this year. And it was so wonderful to talk to you and see you feeling good.
2: Almighty's riding shotgun. I'm doing great.
1: (laughs) All right. Awesome. Well, Toby, thank you so much for the time. Have a wonderful holiday season.
0: you, You too. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.